I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by LWP members. To future-proof the podcast you love, make sure you sign up to become a member today. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the weekly podcast where we make racing make sense. I'm Fiona Blair, and back with me again in 2024 is my co-host Grace Ramage. Hi, Grace. Hello, Fee, and hello, everybody listening to the first episode of the new season of Ladies Who Punt. And isn't it great to be back? There's been, um, you know, obviously the Christmas festive period and summer holidays. Um, it's been a really good time of year to just go out, chill out, relax. But we're back with a bang because the autumn racing carnival um, across, around Australia really um, hits the ground running nice and early. And we've got the first group one of the season this Saturday. So the perfect time for ladies who punch to start up again, I think, Fee. And Grace, can you believe that 2024 is going to be our third year of doing this podcast? Hasn't the time just flown? It really has just flown, but it's been so much fun. Um, and I think that 2024 is going to be a really good year for ladies who punt. I feel like, um, you know, our, our audience um, have come a long way so far in terms of their education and knowledge and um, understanding of the racing industry and now we're hopefully going to be at a stage where we can just continue to grow our audience and you know capture new people to come on the ladies who punt ride with us yeah definitely it's a big aim of ours this year to uh, grow our listenership as it has been for the last two years but also to grow our members area because without our members we can't bring everybody else to show each and every week and we have a bit of a goal this year grace we want to hit 100 lwp members by the spring and we really need to be hitting that goal for us to be confident about bringing the podcast back uh in the second half of the year so to anyone listening in who loves the show tunes in each and every week consumes our content outside of the show we would really encourage you to consider becoming a member so that we can keep our mics on into the spring carnival of 2024. Now, Grace, we had quite a, a time away from the mics. Tell us about your summer break. Fill us in on what happened. Well, it's been very busy. Um, so far, we've been here, there and everywhere up on the Gold Coast for the Magic Million sale, which was so much fun. That was two weeks in January. Um, Christmas was great. And just before Christmas fee, I got married. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> it was a really good two-day celebration. And, yeah, it was, it was really fun. In typical me fashion, I'll tell a little story. It was the night before our wedding day, which was actually just a, a lunch with 30 people in a, in a restaurant, so very low-key. The night before, I was walking around Officeworks trying to find some sort of card that I'd be able to turn into 
place cards for the table setting um, and got a white pen and that was my 8.30 activity on the night before our wedding was writing out all the, the name tags. So that goes to show how much um, preparation I had put into the big occasion, but it was perfect in every way. So it was a great time. The least bridezilla, bridezilla ever. And it was, you know, be attending the, the, the celebrations yep. the day after the party was so much fun uh, and just a great atmosphere. It was a truly beautiful, special, fun night. So congratulations to you and Ben, of course. And what have you been up to the last couple of months, Faith? Yeah, I actually don't even know. You know, like when big periods of time go past and you're just like not really <laughs> sure what's been going on. Like, I feel like I've just been getting through the daily grind yep. for the last couple of months. Um, Christmas was a very low key affair, which was actually really good. I really enjoyed that. And yeah, just been enjoying time with family and um, sort of catching my breath a little bit ahead of 2024. So feeling good about this year. I don't know, like it hasn't been a perfect start, I have to say, but I am feeling good about it overall. So hopefully um, that the good vibes continue. Uh, but before we get into our preview of the CF4, Grace, we have to talk about, for those who are members already or are looking to sign up, this week we are launching a new closed WhatsApp group, which is going to be called Tips Out for the Girls, which is uh, a little play on words for those in the know. <laughs> and basically... It's a brilliant name. <laughs> it's a brilliant name. A little bit cheeky, maybe. Um... But we already have our Ladies Who Punch Social Club on Facebook, which is open to anyone who wants to join. But this group is going to, going to be just for our members, where we can share some late mail we might have heard or received from someone. And also, Grace, where you are going to be able to hopefully tip us into a few winners during the week when you're doing your daily form. I know you're always looking at the form. I'm sure there's horses that pop up fairly regularly, and they're going to be headed straight to our closed WhatsApp group. Yeah, it's going to be a really good space just for us to all um, have access to extra, you know, information and all that extra content that you've just mentioned. But another great way just to, um, you know, continue that community atmosphere that we've got within our LWP members. So I'm super excited about it. And um, yeah, definitely, if you aren't yet a member and want to be a part of the WhatsApp group and all the fun and shenanigans that occur in tips out for the girls then you should definitely sign up to be an lwp member yeah definitely now time to get on with business i think grace so as you mentioned at the top of the show it's the first group one of 2024 here in australia the cf4 stakes it's going to be a very exciting day at caulfield i'm going to try and get down track side which i don't often do but i'm determined to get there um, and see you know, superstar like Mr. Brightside in person. I think, you know, I was talking to you earlier in the week about how we had the terrible news that Alligator Blood looks to be out definitely for the autumn, probably, you know, retired for good. And it was just such a stark reminder that we've got to get out and enjoy these horses while we can because there's no promise they're going to be here in the spring. There's no promise they're going to get another run after what we see on Saturday. So, that's really motivated me to get out and enjoy these horses in person trackside this autumn. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it, with, with alligator blood. It's so sad because in case you hadn't heard or you didn't, um, you know, weren't filled in with the news, alligator blood sustained an injury in his track work. He's going to be fine, but um, it's an injury that takes a long time to be able to rehabilitate. And considering, um, you know, that... They may rehabilitate him. We might see him, you know, this time next year come out and return. It's hard to know that he'd come back in the best 
the best version of himself, given that he's probably getting past the best time of his career, just in, in a sense of age. Um, so yeah, alligator blood out for the next 12 months and we may never see him race again. Hasn't been decided yet. You know, there's been, um, and a couple of other horses that have been that sort of stark reminder as well. Like you've, you know, a horse like Nature Strip, for example, who just went on and on and on and on and on forever. That's amazing mm. longevity. And Winks, mm. to be honest. Like, how amazing was that? But another example of an absolute superstar that was not so sound was Black Caviar. And um, Peter Moody, you know, would openly say now that it was always sort of touch and go throughout her training career, whether she would be, you know, making it back for another another campaign or whether she needed to spend more time in the paddock because of her soundness issues and um, yeah, you, you sometimes don't know what's happening behind closed doors. So um, obviously the alligator blood injury, he was totally sound until he went and sustained an injury in track work. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. So especially Fee, because it's our boy, Mr. B, and we mm -hmm. love Mr. B so much, obviously, we because we're a little bit biased because... <laughs> Um, he's Lindsay Park trained and we get to we get to enjoy him and shower him with our love and attention and affection always but he's so special to us and I'm sure he's so special to a lot of people so yes Fee, I'm so happy that you are determined to come to the races this Saturday and we would encourage anyone else who wants to come and actually see these horses in the flesh to do so um, because yeah you just don't know don't know and I thought before we get into the CF4, Grace, we could talk about any other horses we're excited to see on Saturday. Anyone and any of the other races that you're looking forward to just seeing how they go or seeing them return? Well, definitely. There's a lot of horses that I'm excited to see this Saturday. Um, it's sort of a, it's an interesting race day. CF4 Stakes Day is always, comes up very, very soon. Um, interestingly, in terms of the landscape of what we're going to see for Group 1 Racing this Autumn Carnival, you won't see too many horses racing this Saturday that are going to be, you know, featuring in the championships, let's say in Sydney. Like it just comes around very quickly. A lot of those Sydney horses won't even think about coming to Melbourne necessarily um, this early on in the Autumn Carnival. So what we do have is um, the two-year-olds in action looking ahead to the Blue Diamond Stakes, which is in two weeks' time. That is one of the two big uh, sprinting two-year-old races. The the Blue Diamond Stakes comes up, um, you know, mid-Feb, and then you've got the Golden Slipper about a month or give or take a couple of weeks later than that. That's in Sydney, and it's all about the two-year-olds. You know, they are massive races to win. If a Colt wins, you know, you've got an absolute stallion prospect. If a Philly wins, you know, they're worth a lot of money. So the Blue Diamond Stakes for the two-year-olds um, and also the Golden Slipper, that's really what captures everybody's attention at this time of year. And this Saturday, we've got the Blue Diamond Prelude edition for the Phillies, which is a race, and also for the Colts and Geldings. So they split it based on their sex and gender um, in the lead up to the Blue Diamond. But once you actually get to the, the main race, the Blue Diamond itself, it's um, an open contest. So, yeah, excited to see what the two-year-olds can do this Saturday. It's a massive lead up, the key lead up race towards the Blue Diamond. That'll be good. We get to see Asfura return in the Rubiton Stakes. We know that she is knocking on the door to win a group one and I'm sure that she's got that group one win in her at some stage throughout this autumn carnival they'll probably have to dodge maybe the likes of Imperatriz and um, a couple of others but I'm sure that she's got a group one uh, in her this autumn racing carnival so excited to see her return return uh, in the Rubiton stakes on Saturday so it really is the, the very beginning like it's um just the start of 
the campaigns for a lot of these horses, including those in the CF4 stakes. Like they are just kicking off this Saturday. Expect the best of them, to, these horses, these group one weight for age horses in the CF4 stakes um, to come, you know, in the next couple of runs. But yeah, it's a really good um, kickoff point, really good start to the carnival that always is at Caulfield. Uh, 26 degrees, can't wait to get out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, we better get on with our form preview. Uh, it's not the biggest field this weekend in the CF4 stakes, just the nine runners, but an interesting bunch altogether. Now, this is a wait for age group one uh, over 1,400 metres at Caulfield, of course. And taking a look at the market quickly, our clear favourite is Mr. Brightside at $1.85. Uh, following him, we have Pride of Jenny, at $6.50 and then we have V8 the Tony and Calvin McAvoy trained three-year-old in at $7 so a lot of uh confidence in our boy Mr Brightside Grace from the market which I think is probably what we would expect yeah of course V I mean his um the writing is on the wall with Mr B isn't it you don't have to look very hard to see that he is a four-time group one winner he's won an all-star mile he was beaten this far in the Cox Plate and was very, very good in, in another group one at the end of the carnival, which Pride of Jenny won. So the other thing about <laughs> Mr. Brightside is that he is very effective over the 1,400 metres. I think that's why, um, you know, if this was a horse that was going to, if Mr. Brightside was sort of horse that might be a bit vulnerable first up over 1,400 metres, I don't think he'd be seeing $1.85 about and He might be seeing you know, $2.73, but there might be that, you know, question mark of, is he just going to, you know, need this run and improve again? But he is a very good 1,400 metre horse and he won at this track and distance first up in the spring racing carnival back in September. So I definitely think that um, the class is there. There's a lot in his favour. Barrier 4 loves 1,400 metres, love Cor loves Caulfield. So I can understand why it's such a short price favourite, but it is still a really good race. You know, um, you've got the class horses of Mr. Brightside and Pride of Jenny, who also was so good winning two races throughout the Melbourne, uh, the Flemington Carnival, Melbourne Cup Week, um, two group ones there. So she's a, a dual group one winner now as well. A tissue, like she is probably the sort of horse that's going to get better over 2,000 metres, but she's very classy in her own right as well. Um, and then you've got some of those up-and-coming challenges, which make the race really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Now, I'm also very eager to hear your thoughts on the speed map because we have two horses that are jumping out at me that are absolute uh, demons coming out the gates and love to set a really hot tempo. We've got Pride of Jenny, who you've mentioned, number eight. Uh, she's jumping from barrier three. But then we also have Buffalo River, who is jumping from barrier one. Very handy for him. Um, now, these two love to set a hot tempo for everyone to chase. What are they going to do when they come up against each other on Saturday? What do you think the tactics are here? It's so interesting, Fee, because you're exactly right. These are two horses that we see often, time and time again, come out and we just say, right, you're a leader and you're going to roll along at a good speed. But when I did the speed map here, I actually realised that because, especially for Pride of Jenny, this is only her first up run. If you actually go back and have a look throughout her career, every time she gets to the races first up, um, she's always thereabouts, but they're not um, they're not really employing those tactics where they jump and run straight away. It's almost like first up, they just give her a chance to find her feet, just let her be comfy and just a conditioning run, basically. 
where she can just settle in behind the speed somewhere and finish off strongly. So I'm sort of thinking that's actually what they'll do with Pride of Jenny here, especially because they know that there's going to be a couple of others that'll be up on speed too. I don't think they're going to want to push the button necessarily with her, wait until she's hard fit, maybe second up or third up to be employing those tactics. So as a result from barrier three, I think that they'd be happy maybe just to let her settle in behind the speed, you know, just behind the speed, still a great spot. Um, but I'm not convinced that she's going to be doing what we've seen from her in the past first up on Saturday in terms of the tactics. Um, and Buffalo River's the other one that you say. Firstly, it's pretty amazing what Buffalo River has mm -hmm. been able to come back and do because, you know, he was sort of in the wilderness for a long time there. He is an eight-year-old gelding now that was just sort of running enlisted races, group three races, um, wasn't really showing that enthusiasm for racing or, or, or um, for attacking the line. But now they've just – whatever has happened with him – Credit to Mike Moroni and, and the stable because uh -huh. he's just absolutely airborne and he does deserve a chance at a race like this, I think. So, um, yeah, he'll be up on speed for sure. Not certain that they're going to go handle bar handlebars down again. They'll probably just have him where he's comfy and then, um, you know, build and, and get him up to his top sort of, you know, into the bend and be finishing off sustaining that strong gallop to the line. So while, yes, we have two you know, hell for leather leaders in the race on Saturday. I just don't think that they're both going to necessarily do that um, like they might, well, especially Pride of Jenny, like she might do in an all-star mile, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other thing about Buffalo River when I was looking at his form, he's a real 1,400-metre specialist. It's been his most successful distance by far. He's had eight of his nine wins across that trip, so he loves that distance. And I feel like 14 can be a bit of a specialist distance it's not quite a sprint it's not quite middle distance you know it's just that in between um and from barrier one he's got every chance with Celine Gaudry aboard who's been riding so well recently and at $34 Grace he's certainly providing a bit of value for punters if you were to go that way and also he's pretty effective and you know the places second up as well nine starts mm. for his second up uh stats with two wins three seconds and two thirds. So for him, I definitely think he's got enough value to be putting an each way bet on. What do you think? Can he make, can he make top three? He can probably make, he can probably be there in the finish. Um, but I just would be shocked if he won. I would be yeah, shocked yeah. if he had the class over the concluding stages to actually get his nose first past the post. But I'm not dismissing the fact that he might be there, you know, within a length or two of those at the top so yeah i think as, at an each way price you know to be fin filling those second or third placings he's definitely worth a play if you're interested now grace obviously mr brightside is the clear favorite who are his biggest threats in this race well i think the biggest threat has to be pride of jenny because of her record right so she's already beaten mr brightside once that was when that was actually when they both raced last time which was um back in november in the champions mile pride of jenny beat mr brightside she was bowling along doing her usual thing out on speed and mr b probably left his run a little bit too late but she still beat him on that occasion over the 1600 meters pride of jenny clearly has the class whether she's fit enough forward enough um Effective enough over 1,400 metres is probably what's bringing me down a peg. Like if she runs a bottler of a race here, I think that she's 
got a great winning chance in an all-star mile, which will be her third up target. These horses, um, or Mr. Brightside and, and Pride of Jenny and maybe a couple of others will go from this CFO stakes on Saturday. Two weeks later is the Group 1 Futurity stakes, which is again at Caulfield over 1,400 metres. And then you've got the All-Star Mile with $5 million. That's their third up goal over the over the 1,600 metres. So I think um, Pride of Jenny, she's definitely on ability, key danger, no doubt. But um, maybe mm-hmm. we'll see the best of her when she gets second up, third up. Another horse that's really interesting in this is Ayrton, similar to Buffalo River in the sense that he was in the wilderness for a little while. He has definitely come back or in in this exact moment um, in a really rich vein of form and he's racing really well. We're sort of starting to see a little bit of a glimpse of what Ayrton used to sit what he used to show um he was a horse that actually also sustained an injury he was on the sidelines for a while has come back and i think we're starting to see the best of him again which is exciting for the stable and for the connections from barrier eight is really interesting i'm wondering whether jamie carr decides to from barrier eight from the 1400 meter start at caulfield it's a shoot start and you go straight up a hill it's not a great barrier um to be or great starting point to be drawn wide so from barrier eight i'm interested to to see whether they do roll the dice and actually press forward or whether they go back. If they press forward, I reckon Ayrton has got a a good chance, similar to Buffalo River, of sticking on and being there in the finish. And then the last one that I really think that is worth talking about is number nine, V8, because Mm. he is the three-year-old who's only had, well, he's had no real outside of last start experience up against proper seasoned um, group one performers outside of his own age group in fact he's the three-year-old who is the up-and-comer here who is trying to take on the big boys with the weight that he gets under the weight for age conditions which means that you're not as we know um, the weight's not allocated based on your rating points it's based on your age so that if you're a, if you're a winks or you know, you don't have to carry the top weight every time. It's just based on your your age. You're not penalised for how good you are. Because he is so young and um, is only an autumn three-year-old now, V8 only carries 55.5 kilos as opposed to those older geldings that are carrying 59 kilos. So he does get some weight off his back compared to them. Interestingly, I know what the stable are doing here because the Sea of Ore Stakes in the past has been a really good race for the three-year-olds to succeed in. We saw last year Jackano, who was a three-year-old colt, exactly the same scenario, um, come out and narrowly win this race last year. In fact, he wasn't first past the post. He Controversial. <laughs> pro- the protest was upheld, but he still won the race. <clears throat> Very controversial, especially if you love Gentleman Roy. Um <laughs> And we can see that also in 2020, Alabama Express won this race as a three-year-old colt. We've got um, All Too Hard, who back in 2013 won this race as a three-year-old colt. And throughout, you know, the recent editions of the race, the last couple of years, there's been plenty of place getters that have been three-year-olds as well. So, like the carbon copy of a three-year-old taking on the good horses when they're first up, and the three-year-old's got a little bit of race fitness on his side is there to see. They run well. So I think that V8, you know, the, the plan that they've put in place here is very smart and it's a very good one. Um, but obviously, it's not a weak addition of the CF4 stakes. Like you've got Mr. Brightside mm. and Pride mm-hmm. of Jenny who are 
classes ahead of where V8's at for now. So he has to step up a lot. His win last start in the Australia Stakes at Group 2 level over 1,200 metres was very good. So I'm actually really excited to see what he can do. He might actually be able to stand up and prove that he's a, a very good weight for age horse in his own right. And if he is, and if he wins this race, he's going to be a stallion. Like, there's no doubt he's still a colt. Um, you'd be able to be confident that he would have a great um, career at stud going forward. So he is a fascinating runner in this race. That's really interesting info, Grace. I didn't realize um, that the three-year-olds had such a good affinity with this race. So that's actually um, encouraged me a lot with this horse. And taking a look at his recent form, he's another one that likes to be on speed. I feel like we've got a few of these horses in um, in this race on Saturday. Him and Ayrton, Pride of Jenny, Buffalo River that we've all talked about. But he's jumping from barrier two, so he's certainly got an advantage there. I do wonder, though, like, looking at his run in the Caulfield Guineas last spring where he stepped out to 1,600 metres and came second to Griff, Griff really set this sort of hot tempo in the Caulfield Guineas, and I think that was a bit why maybe V8 came a little bit unstuck in that race, and I wonder if there's that hot tempo again from Buffalo River, who's also second up, not not coming off a jump out, um, whether that's going to challenge him a bit. But I do concur with you, he is airborne. The race uh, last start, the Australia Stakes rated very highly and it was a great run from him. So I can 100% see why they have put him in this race and he definitely um, can run a good race. I think he can really cement himself as a horse that we need to be keeping an eye on into autumn and spring. But he is up, like you said, up against some very, very nice horses in this race. So... It's it's just exci- it's an exciting time of year. We don't know where these horses are really at. Well, we do know where V8's at. He's already had a win uh, this prep. But, yeah, it's just how much has Pride of Jenny improved? Like, I can imagine just the way she's built, she's going to be a mare that continues mm-hmm. to improve with age. Um, yeah, it's just always exciting because we never know what where these horses are quite at. Absolutely. Um, one thing I will say is that in... For example, take this race last year. If you go back and watch the replay, Mr. Brightside was in this race last year, um, but he simply got too far back. From barrier four on Saturday, Mr. Brightside doesn't have to be too far back. He can be he can be up on speed. He can be just behind the speed. I think that the way that I'm seeing it is that while we've got some really exciting challenges in Buffalo River, who's not an up-and-comer. He's eight years old, but he's in good form. <laughs> Similarly with Ayrton, they're both going really well and they deserve a crack at a race like this. But you've got the up-and-coming in V8. Um, while I like the what's happening with these horses and the way that they're profiling into this Group 1 CFO stakes, I'm also knowing that Pride of Jenny and Mr. Brightside, who are, who are the class horses in the race, they're not going to give this race away. Like They're going to be not. right there and they're going to be in it for a long way so um yeah for that reason i think that class will prevail and i think um i think mr brightside's probably the hard hardest to beat in the race and pride of jenny i'm excited to see where she's kicking off her campaign as i said if she's winning this or running second you know running a really good race here then the autumn she could you know add to her group one tally no doubt she will be in for a massive campaign if she can do that yeah, definitely Mr. Brightside is the horse to beat. The only thing that concerns me is exactly what you just spoke about, Grace, is where does he land? As long as he's positive, like we know that if he's positive, he he generally wins. That's how he he has to be positioned there to 
to have a really good chance of winning. Um, so that makes me nervous. I hope he's going to be nice and positive. He's been jumping out very well. He's a horse that can be a little bit lazy in his track work and stuff, but he certainly looks to be uh, training with a lot of intent this prep. So yeah, I'm very nervous. I know you get nervous every time Mr. B runs. He's such a special horse to us <laughs> both, particularly you and of course the Hayes family. So Let's just hope everything goes well for Mr. B. Um, you... I just get nervous because I just want him to show everybody how good he is. Like, yeah. that's what I, I don't, I only get nervous um, just because I want him to keep on showing everyone how good he is. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those like anxiety things, like a Mr. B week. And then it's so funny, V. Um, I often think, it, like, I off, you, like through those Winks years, right, with Chris Waller and the whole ownership group and just everyone in the stable, you'd often think, like, how are these guys doing? How are they coping? So calm and collected. How are they really, coping? They must have been, they oh. must have been, like, tortured on the inside yeah. every single time that she came around to a race week um, because of the winning streak that she had. Like, it wasn't just about, oh, go and do a good job, Winks. It was that thing of, okay, you sort of need to keep so winning to pressure. keep this winning streak live. Like that's Absolutely. the stage that we're at. Um, so much pressure. So I feel like nervous and anxious when it's a Mr. B week just because I want him to go out and show everyone how good he is, not because he's, you know, 23 wins not out. <laughs> <laughs> so it really gives you um, I think we saw a serious um, admiration for what they went through. Absolutely. And you would see it like Chris would – Chris Waller would be like fairly calm ahead of the race, but every time she won, he would be in tears. And like, you could see that it was just the relief of thank God we got through another one and we, and we pulled it off, you know, like just that, that relief of every win is just like huge. So, um, yeah, I used to think that too. I was like, how do they cope under that amount of pressure and how much like, um, cotton wool and um, bubble wrap do they have this horse wrapped in to avoid any sort of minor error happening and, and getting in the way of, of her brilliance so yep. it is incredible like it's great to have these horses but yeah the pressure and stress that it puts the trainers under is um, immense <laughs> absolutely but you prefer to have that because absolutely. you know that you've got You've got something, you know. Yeah. So the pressure and the stress is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and it, it adds to the it adds to the roller coaster ride that is, you know, being in the racing industry and, and being part of the Mister Brightside team and and barracking for him and yeah, being a part of his racing journey for sure. Well, Grace, we better uh, make a decision on who how we're going to go. Are you going to be having a bet in this race, or you just want to see Mister Brightside come through? What is what are your thoughts? It's a no bet race for me because I think Mr. Brightside um, is going to be really hard to beat. No value, obviously, at the current price of a dollar eighty-five, um, and yeah, because of that, I just want to see how it unfolds. It's a definite no bet race for me. What about you, Fee? There's obviously not a lot of value around, you know, with Mr. Brightside being such a clear favourite and it's such a small field. Um, I would like to have a place bet, but the horses that you know, we're confident are going to be running second or third or all paying under $2. So I think I'm going to have to go with Buffalo River for a place. I just think with that run under his belt, he's got that little bit of a fitness edge. Like you said, he's in great form at the moment. Whatever the Moroni camp is doing with him is working wonders. And yeah, I just think at $6, he's probably the best place to put my money on Saturday.
Okay, Grace, so we've had a look at the CF4. It's going to be a great race on the day. Can't wait to see where all of these horses are at coming into the autumn. But we do have a listener question today from Lizette, and her question is, how is the order in which the horses enter the barrier decided? That's a very good question from Lizette. Um, I don't know the definitive answer. I know that it is to do with first and foremost, are there any horses that have got, um, you know, barrier issues? Um, do we have any that need to be fitted with barrier blanket? Do we have any that need to go in first? Do we have any that need to go in last? They factor all that in the barrier boys behind the gates um, and they will cater to each horse's individual needs. But in terms of which horse actually goes in first, what they generally do is if it's a big field, obviously it, you sort of start from like the inside barrier and go out, but in a big field, you, they'll, you'll see them entering horses at both ends of the barriers so that they can get through it quickly. Mm. Um, a lot of the time, a lot of the times behind the barriers, the first thing the barrier boys and the co the team that are down there are going to do is say, right, how many minutes do we have until jump time? If the horses have got down there really early, you'll see them just meander around, just, um, you know, walking around, trotting around behind the gates until the loading process starts. If they've got down there quite late, they'll probably start the loading process quickly. And the whole idea is that you've got horses, the last horse loads just as the jump start time ticks over. And so therefore you are not delayed or you certainly can't go early. Like if you, it is 100% illegal to start a race early because of purposes with betting and all that sort of stuff. So Often you'll see a race delayed because something's gone wrong, but that is the main aim to cater for the horses that are down there and their individual barrier needs and then also work out the time that they've got until the race starts. And then if they need to hurry up, they might load two horses at opposite ends of the barriers at the same time, start loading them in, or they'll just take their time. But um, in terms of the actual order in which horses are loaded, I'm not exactly certain. So maybe we need to do some more homework in this space and get back to you with the exact answer next week. Yeah, definitely. Probably an episode in that. I'm sure there are, I've seen a few girls uh, behind the barriers, especially on our country tracks. So we might have to track down an expert for, for that topic. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good episode, wouldn't it? Because it's incredible horsemanship, what they have to do in those barriers and incredible athleticism, keeping everyone safe, keeping everyone happy. Um, yeah, very high adrenaline job, I can imagine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you so much to Lizette for sending in that question. If you have a question that you would like answered on the podcast, um, you can send it into us via our DMs on social media or through our Ladies Who Punch social club, however you like, really, and we'll try to answer it uh, on. We'll try and answer it on a future episode. Grace, we've come to the end of our first episode for 2024, having had a look at the field for the CF4 stakes on Saturday at Caulfield. It's going to be a great race. I can't wait to be trackside seeing Mr. B and all the other stars that are on show on Saturday at Caulfield. But before we sign off from today's episode, I just have to share that we are looking to book a table at the Victorian Wakeful Club's Lady of Racing Awards, which will be held on Friday, March 8th at the Valley for the night race meeting that day. So we went to this event last year, Grace, and it was so much fun. We met, we met so many incredible women and we wanted to share that experience with our community. So if you're keen to come along, 
uh, on Friday the 8th of March. It's actually International Women's Day, the perfect day to be celebrating the hardworking, talented women in our industry. We have a few spaces left on our table, so come and join myself and Grace and some other Ladies Who Punt listeners, um, and we'll have a great time. Uh, Tickets are $240 each, and that includes race day entry, of course. It includes a premium food and drink beverage, and it also includes really good times with me and Grace. So if you want to join us at the table and spend some time with us chatting and catching up, watching some incredible racing at the Valley that night, Uh, We will leave a link in our show notes to the RSVP form where you can fill that out and secure your spots. We can't wait to share the evening with you. It's going to be a really good one. Okay, well, I think we better wrap things up. We've been chatting for a while now, so we will catch you all next week. Hope you enjoyed this first episode back of Ladies Who Punt. Hello, if you've made it this far in the podcast, you are obviously a very serious listener and we are very appreciative of your efforts. As a serious consumer of our content, we would strongly encourage you to sign up to Ladies Who Punt members for just $15 a month. We have a goal this year to reach 100 members by the 2024 Spring Carnival. And by achieving this goal, we can future-proof Ladies Who Punt into the second half of 2024 and hopefully into 2025. So if you enjoy our content, whether it's the podcast, the newsletter, or the Ladies Who Punt Social Club, please consider signing up to become a member for just $15 a month. There's heaps of benefits to signing up. First of all, you get extra content and tips in our Ladies Who Punt members newsletter. You will get sent a free piece of merch. You'll also get to play in our very popular weekly tipping comp with a cash prize of $50. And you'll be granted access to our brand new members WhatsApp group called Tips Out for the Girls. So again, if you are a regular consumer of the Ladies Who Punt content, please make sure you sign up to our members group so that we can future-proof Ladies Who Punt in 2024 and beyond. To sign up, head to our show notes or head to www.ladieswhopunt.com forward slash members.